Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the Coifcast. Uh, I'm back at long last. Um, I have had a few weeks off. I apologise for that. Some of it within my control, some of it not. Illness, holiday, that kind of thing. Uh, it has been a little bit longer than I hoped, but I am back. I am back. This is episode five. Um, if you've held on for three weeks and you are still here listening, uh, I really do appreciate you. Thank you very much for hanging on uh, and coming back, frankly. Um, I didn't want this to be one of those things that's just going to kind of peter out. I do, expect, I do expect this to be a long-term thing, so um, make no mistake, I'll be here for a long time, hopefully. But um, yeah, here I am, back, episode five, and a positive one, hopefully. Hopefully a really positive one, because obviously I've not spoken to you all since... Um, well, two games of passes I spoke to you last, but obviously we are coming off a win, um, which is really exciting. Obviously, we'll talk about that Warrington game during this episode. Uh, we have a game tomorrow night against St. Helens to talk about as well, and there's been some questions in from the Twitterverse. So thank you very much again. Um, yeah, just thanks for the support. Obviously, uh, great comments again after the previous episode. That was a Salford preview, which seems an awful long time ago, and I don't want to think about that game too much um a few weeks on but thanks for support since that last episode it is amazing uh, i want to give a shout out to cast Tiger supporters club as well they give me a shout out and uh, they allow me to post in their forum etc so really appreciate that and obviously get get along to all their uh, their events and um sign up if you're into that as well um so yeah let's get into it let's get into it um Warren. that warrant and win what a, what a win that is um a bonus win i want to call it i've been kind of calling that all week um, it felt like a bonus two points that one. It felt massive, obviously, because again, since I last spoke to you, Wakefield picked up that win against Leeds a few weeks ago. Um, so to kind of pick up that six point gap again feels absolutely huge. And obviously, coming out of the ground on Friday, it felt like a massive sense of relief again. But I, I really didn't think Warrington last week was a game we necessarily were targeting, and it's certainly not a game I thought, yeah, that's got to be a two points. That's one you were looking at on the fixture list and go, that's the one, even with the injuries, and we'll get into that as well. Um, there was a little bit of hope there, don't get me wrong, there was some hope, but ultimately that felt like a really bonusy kind of two points on, on Friday night, it really did. Um, similar to how tomorrow would feel, um, to be honest, I think tomorrow was a bit of a free hit as well against St Helens, but we'll get into that. Um, so yeah, Warrington, obviously 23-14 in the end, 14-0 uh, but half-time, and I think you've got to say, Obviously, not had too many wins this season, four of them, but that's got to be performance of the season, hasn't it? Um, tries from Will Tate, who I thought was excellent. I was probably one of the naysayers a few weeks ago when he had his debut against Hull. Um, he's come on leaps and bounds in the last two weeks. I think he's been excellent. Uh, he gets his first try for Cass. Jason Gary Gary in again. And obviously the game winner from Jack Broadbent, who we'll talk about, talk about at length, I'm sure, in this episode, because he's been excellent and uh, a very interesting way of deploying him from Andy Last as well. Um, I think performance of the season by a distance. Um, the squad on paper when we saw it when it was released at half past six, I think there was a few people expecting to get to World and Road and watching the game through the fingers. Um, might have explained the crowd not being brilliant as well. I'm hoping that due to these kind of performances in the last few weeks that will build up a little bit and there may be a few more through the gate when we play Lee. Um, but yeah, again felt like a bonus two points because you looked at that team and you thought with all will in the world it was Nathan Massey at number nine and <laughs> I love Massey don't get me wrong and um, get well soon by the way um, but I think even he would have had a bit of a bit of a grin on his face when he, when he saw him named at hooker for this game and uh, 
it didn't fill you with confidence, uh, if we're being honest, but could not fault one of the 17 for 80 minutes. It was a real team performance, as complete a performance as we've seen. Not perfect. I don't think we're, we're nowhere near capable of a perfect performance with this squad, um, but certainly the best we have looked. Um, and did Warrington help us? Yeah. Uh, I think we we can't get too carried away uh, as much as on paper this is a win against second league and it's a really vital win for our season. Warrington were pretty poor. Um, fullback, sorry, fullback. The halfback situation, the fact it was Peanut Matautier and Stefan Ratchford in there, obviously George Williams, the rumours were earlier in the day that he'd done a hamstring, obviously that proved to be true. That was a massive, massive plus and I think George Williams on the field would have made a huge difference. I don't know whether that would have fully twisted the result, uh, but it would have been closer, that's for sure, and you wouldn't have been at all surprised if Warrington would have pulled the win out with George Williams in there, but your players in front of you. Um, we've had injuries ourselves, you know, we, we've, we've been injury stricken, so you can't feel too sorry for anyone um, in Super League, and at least not when the, the stakes are so high uh, as they are now. Um, so Warrington certainly did help us to an extent, and, you know, James Harrison goes in the bin early, obviously, in that game, within five minutes for that hip drop, not a good one either. Um, good news today in Andy Lasser's press comments that Nathan Massey's injury is hopefully not too bad. Getting him back for the whole KR game potentially. Um, that's a that's a big positive because you know Nathan Massey is not one of those players that's guaranteed to be around um, next year. And I, I, I think he, he might be. Don't get me wrong, he might be. But I think if he'd have been out for this season. That would have been a real blow. If he's not already got a contract um, sorted for next season, it would have been a real, real blow if, if that was going to be a season done. And I think he'd have really struggled to get a deal, to be honest. So it's good that he's at least going to get some more rugby this season and kind of put his best foot uh, best foot forward, if he indeed wants to stay for the rest of the year. Um, so, yeah, Harrison goes in the bin early. And what's nice is we capitalised. We capitalised, and it's certainly our best game of the season in terms of game management, that's for sure. Um, something I really liked. I mean, I think... From the penalty from James Harrison Simbin, we take the two. There were multiple occasions where Gareth Wood was asking for the tee to come on. Just, just really good. Just, just uncast like. To be honest, it's uncast like for the Weldon Road end to sometimes ironically shout too, uh, and the players to actually respond. But we did. You know, points were at a premium in this game, and we made the most of it. We made sure we got took the two when we, when we had it, and. Um, Threw the ball wide. We threw the ball wide. We tried a few different things. Will Tate goes in from a nice try. Gary Gary's in there as well. Just loads of positive signs. And you, you don't want to get carried away. You, of course you don't. But loads of really, really, really positive signs. And I mean, the ultimate X factor in this game, obviously, um, was the aforementioned Jack Broadbent. Um, we went into the game, not even the game. I mean, we went into literally the first attacking set of the game, not knowing who was going to be at at Dummy Africast, which is a, a mad situation. Jack Broadbent goes in and took me by surprise a little bit. Um, but what a job he did. What a job he did. He's a 22-year-old kid who came in as, you know, a rotational kind of centre, um, just wanting a chance in Super League to get a few games this year. That's basically where it was at at the start of the year. And, you know, he's putting in, you know, a 70-minute performance at hooker scores the winning try, arguably should have had another try as well because there is an interesting obstruction call in the second half when Sam Hall doesn't quite go through the line, but also he's obstructed, so could he go through the line? And it's a bit of a tricky one. You know, letter of the law, maybe it was obstruction, but it was a tight one. 
Um, but Jack Broadbent was absolutely superb in a position which is unfamiliar to him. I don't know if he's ever played there at any level. Um, and didn't look out of place. Didn't look out of place. And against a massive pack as well, and that's going to be his problem. Uh, this week, Andy last talked about it in the press conference, obviously a, a big pack coming from St. Helens as well. Um, but Warren are pretty huge. You know, Cassiano, Vaughan, some big, big bodies there. Gil Dudson as well. And we fronted up. We fronted up in the middle in a big, big, big way. And Jack Broadbent was a big part of that in terms of defending in there. Just so many positives. So, so many positives. And I think one of my major points about this game was the fact that, you know, it was brilliant to be 14 nil at half time, but the real pleasing aspect was the fact that Warrington came back and we didn't fold. And so many times this season, you know, if this game had been played six weeks ago, we lose that game by three scores, I think, quite comfortably. Um, but we didn't fold. We didn't fold when they pulled it back. We kept his heads. We had, we had, you know, the guile. I mean, Gareth Woodup, give, give him his praise there. I mean, he had the the nerve to knock over the drop goal from kind of 42, 43 yards. Um, I don't want to hear any more Warrington fans saying it didn't hit the ground. It did. That's um, <laughs> quite a ridiculous conspiracy theory going the rounds a couple of days after the game. It definitely did. Um, it's a great, great drop goal. And then, yeah, it kept his nerve enough to defend, keep defending, and eventually put Robert through for his try. It's um, just the most professional we've been all year, just the most composed we've been all year. It just felt different. It felt different to where we've been just the rest of the season. And it got me thinking, maybe this is just due to just the complexion of that squad. Um, it was generally younger, the 17 we named. Uh, I did the maths and I think it levelled out about 28. Um, we started out the season at Hull. Um, that team's about 30 on average or 30 and a half. Would have even been, well, sorry, would have even been a little bit higher if Greg Eden had played in front of uh, Jake Mamo as, as intended. So we kind of dropped the average age of the squad by two years. The bench as well. And I made a point on Twitter as well, you know, Sam Hall, Brad Martin, Louise Mustafa and Kane Rob as a cameo at the end. A couple of years ago, even this time last year, I'd have looked at that bench and maybe would have been a little bit nervous or would have said, you know, lacks a bit of size, not sure about that, lacks a bit of experience. I had every faith in that squad. Uh, sorry, the bench, at least. I mean, I, I, we all had queries about the 13, obviously the fact that there was no recognised hooker in there, but I don't think anybody looked at the bench and went, that's going to be a real, a real kind of Achilles heel in this game. It didn't feel like it was. And the average age of that is 21 and a half. That's massive for the future, isn't it? That's massive for the future. And every single one of them did a good job coming off the bench. Sam Holm um, and Brad Martin again, you know, facing up to a massive, massive warrant and pack. Sublime stuff. Absolutely sublime stuff. I think Sam Hall in particular is turning into a real proper Super League prop. And, you know, in the next year or two, we're going to see some real progression from him because, you know, he can ball play as well. It's really, really, really impressive. And, the other thing as well, I think you've got to give a nod to the, the more experienced folks in the team. Um, Liam Watts, he was the best prop on the field. Liam Watts was the best prop on the field. And that's with James Vaughan there, who has been regarded as the best prop this season across Super League, really. And his, his meters kind of still rack up to that. But Liam Watts laid the law down. He really did in this game and didn't get a ban, which is really nice to see as well, because they will try and ban it from anything. So the fact he got away with that. And will play two games back to back is very very interesting, and uh, hopefully he can keep he can keep this run of games going and stay out of the disciplinary. But you got to you got to take hat off to Liam Watson in this game, and I think most people came out of the ground thinking, yeah, he absolutely has earned a new deal for next year, whether it's another year, whether it's another two year. I, I think you give him the form Monday morning and say, 
you, you kind of gauge where he's at. I mean, he did the press last week as well and said he wanted to earn a deal at Cass. I don't think it's any coincidence that that performance came straight afterwards. Really, really strong from Liam Watts. And he made the Super League Dream Team uh, this week, as did uh, Joe Westerman, who, again, I mean, I called him player of the season on the last podcast and he has to be, I think. He has to be our player of the season. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And we'll kind of, kind of get into it later on the, in the podcast in terms of questions, in terms of how the team kind of set up. You know, he's not playing a usual 13 role there. He's not playing like a standard loose forward by any means. He's a proper ball player. He's absolutely crucial to our attack at the minute. And he's stepping up. He's stepping up. He's stepping up defensively. There's a couple of big hits in there. He's supporting himself about, but he's got that ability to get the ball both sides as well. And it's just opening us up so much. He's opening up Gareth Wood up, especially in the attacking game. And just, just taking so much pressure off the halfbacks who have been under a lot of pressure, particularly Jacob Miller under a lot of pressure this season. I think Joe Westerman in the position he's been in and played a lot of first receiver helping so, so, so much. Um, so as I was saying, the complexion of this squad and why I think it was so different in the Warrington game compared to what we've been in the previous, previous games this season, if you kind of run through it, Gareth Widdop, Tate, Mella. I'll leave Jordan Turner for a sec. Jason Garigari, Broadbent, Miller, Watts, Massey, Griffin, Edwards, Sutcliffe, Westerman, and then, as I said, Mustafa, Rob, Martin and Hall. If you look at that and you look at the reason why I've singled out Jordan Turner there, realistically, those 16 other players are likely to be in cash shirts next season. That's massive, and I do think that is having an impact. It really does. I mean, there's a couple there that are slightly borderline. Like I say, Nathan Massey is a little bit borderline. Doesn't have a deal yet. Um, Likewise, Westerman, Watts, but I do think those two will get over the line. Uh, Sutcliffe too, but I do think Sutcliffe will be here. But yeah, 16 or 17 are likely to be in the team next season. And when you consider we've got, you know, might be down to about 11 or 12 now off contract next season, that's quite impressive that they're the players actually on the field. Uh, and they're the players doing it. And I don't think it has any coincidence, or sorry, I don't think there's no coincidence at all that that's the reason why we had a really committed performance, really passionate performance, and why we didn't fold when we came up against a little bit of adversity in that game. And, you know, I, no one in the rugby league world would have kind of batted an eyelid for it and win that game, despite the fact that they had a few injuries and George Williams was out. But we kept up to it. We kept up to it. We gave it a real go, and we picked up two massive, massive, massive points. And it's huge for the season. It's huge for the season. It's huge going forward. And, yeah, you've just got to take your hat off to that performance. And hopefully... Hopefully we can take that into Friday night um, where we go to Saints. We go to Totally Wicked Stadium, Lantry Park, whatever you want to call it. It's not been a happy hunting ground, has it, to say, to say the least. And for context, I believe we have one win at St. Helens in my lifetime. So that's where we're at at the moment. Um, hopefully number two tomorrow night. I'll run through the Saints team, uh, or the squad at the very least. So Jack Willsby. Popoate, Percival, who comes back in, Benison, Lomax, Dodd, Wormsley, Roby, Lees, Matautia, Bachelor, Knowles, Lussick, uh, Loomis, McCarthy, Scarsbrook, Parsi, Bell, Davis, Royal, Comrade Hurl, who just signed a new deal, T. Ritson and Delaney. Um, it's a bit of who's who, isn't it? <laughs> really, it is a very, very, very strong squad on paper, but there is only two changes from last week, but of course they played Hull FC on Thursday night and you know, you don't want to get carried away. And look, I don't think any sane-minded cast fan can really go to St. Elms tomorrow and expect to win or anything like that. And I'm certainly not going to say 
that we're definitely going to win tomorrow night or anything along those lines. What I would say is this is the most vulnerable St. Helens have been in probably four or five years. That's fair to say. You know, the kind of like mid-table spot, there's a little bit of pressure on Wellens. I think you can feel it, especially after Thursday night, because um, it was a little bit better second half, but especially his first half. First half was really, 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 really poor uh, from St. Helens, and the, the fans let them know it as well. There is a little bit of pressure on Wellens. He's not quite, they're not quite clicking, are they? There's something not quite right. The star players are not quite being there. James Roby, dare I say it, is starting to show his age a little bit. Lewis Dodd not quite got the form he had, certainly at the start of the year with the World Cup Challenge. A few injuries in there as well. Obviously, Tom Mason doesn't make the team this week, which is big. Um, yeah, there's a vulnerability about them. There is a vulnerability about them, and I'm not saying they're the team to exploit it. We're still second bottom of the league at the end of the day. But that fear factor of going to St. Ellen's this week isn't really there, is it? I, I don't, I'm not, you know, I, there's, there's games this season I've got, I've gone in with a sense of fear for sure. I'm not going to St. Ellen's tomorrow worried, to be honest. It's a bit of a free hit. There's no real expectations for us to beat them anyway. Um, and the fact remains, they are there to be got at. They're there to be got at because there's two ways to look at it, isn't it? I mean, obviously they want to come back with a big performance after the whole quote-unquote embarrassment. Um, so, you know, a wounded animal and all that, it, they are dangerous. So we, maybe we see an absolute, you know, explosive response and maybe we get blown away. It's a possibility. Don't get me wrong. That could happen. But there's, they're, they're fearing this game more than us. They are fearing this game more than us because if they lose to Hull and then they lose to second, second of the league Cass, uh, second bottom of the league Cass, who, let's be honest, they've not even considered us this year as anywhere near a threat. They'll be fully expecting a 20-point win. Um, certainly the fans will be. All of a sudden, Wellens is well on the hot seat if we could, if we could pick up a result or even make it close tomorrow night. So that fear element will get into that dressing room. Uh, we've just got to hope it kind of sticks, to be honest. Um, they're a very good team. They've got players that I think are brilliant. Uh, Mark Percival, when fit, is an excellent, excellent centre. Jack Wellsby, I've talked about him many times in this podcast already, just in five episodes, but I think he's about as good as we've got over here in the UK, to be honest, and certainly in terms of a young talent. He's a phenomenal player. Um, I don't know if he'll play fullback. He might play in the halves potentially, uh, but it doesn't really matter. He's an exceptional talent. Obviously, Johnny Lomax is Johnny Lomax. He's done, been there, done it, got the T-shirt. Um, I actually think my favourite player in this team is uh, is Bachelor. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant second row. It's something I'll get onto later on. Uh, with one of the questions we got is my love of the kind of back row position and really, really strong back rowers. I think he's excellent. Is Bachelor, and I think he is very much in the vein of the kind of play we need to be looking at this year because obviously he's a perfect example of someone who came up through the championship and just excelled from there. Obviously, that's kind of the pool we're looking at for next season if rumours to be uh, to be believed. And I do believe we, we've signed at least two or three players from the championship going into next year. That's the kind of rumours going around. I don't know names, but that's certainly the pool, the pool we're fishing in. Bachelor is really the example of, well, as is Alex Wormsley, of course, uh, a few years before. But yeah, two examples of players that have come through that path, maybe a bit of a late bloomer, um, but exceptional performance in England caliber players. And I think Bachelor is one we really have to watch out for this uh, this week. Um, but yeah, free hit. Absolute free hit territory for me, for St. Helens. If we lose, I'm not going to be too upset. It's a horrible thing to say as a fan, I know, but I'm not going to be too too disappointed. You know, 
we're passionate. We're passionate fans. We love it. You know, there's an element of we want obviously we want to win every week. Of course we do. We hate to see Castle lose. I hate to see Castle lose more than anyone. But the, as I say, there's realism about this about this season. We picked up a massive two points last week. I said a few episodes ago, we're not we're going to win less than half our games for the remainder of the season. That's likely. That's just the way the season's gone. It's where the squad is. I hope I'm wrong. Don't get me wrong. But we have to expect when we're playing teams of this kind of caliber. You know, we're going to pick up a loss for every win. You'd imagine. So I'm not going to be too upset if we don't come away with um, many points tomorrow night. If the performance is there, though, that's huge. The performance is very, very, very important. Because then we then we go or we host Lee a week after, who are very good and excellent form. Don't get me wrong. They're more gettable than Saints at the moment, I would say, especially at home. I, th- I think just generally a home game is more gettable than an away game, and our form obviously shows that. Obviously, we haven't actually won a quote unquote away game this year. I guess Magic Weekend doesn't really count. Obviously, we've had three wins at home. Uh, we need to win those home games. So on, on the basis of that, Lee is more gettable. And I think this is really almost a bit of a reset game as well for us because obviously Riley Dean is in the squad this week. He's likely going to play um, in the standoff position uh, or scrum half, whichever way he wants to go, um, with Jacob Miller. So it's more, I think you almost look at Friday as more of an exercise of kind of bedding him in, seeing what he can do. And it's probably a good situation for him to do it. Like I say, there's no real pressure on the result. It's really just about getting there, See what we can do. Let's throw the ball around, first and foremost. That's what Hull did. Hull beat them by throwing it sideline to sideline and really kind of going at them early. And, you know, they've got a big pack, as I've said a few times, that no one's kind of tiring that pack out. You know, let's let's use the ball a little bit. Let's, we're probably not going to beat them up the middle. Um, we're not going to beat many teams up the middle, really. But if we use the ball players we've got in the middle, in Liam Watts, in Sam Hall, in Joe Westerman, the players that can get it out quick, let's do that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how Riley Dean goes. I'm hope, really hoping... He's going to have a good run. Obviously, he's had pretty much three weeks in camp now to prepare for this. So, um, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting. But as I say, I don't think it's one where we can look at the result, no matter what it is tomorrow, and be too downhearted with it, really. If it is a loss, I think we can only really um, win, really, tomorrow from a perspective. You know, you look at it from a base level, you go, there's either a good performance, hopefully, and if there's two points there, amazing. Absolutely amazing because that will, I believe, fully, fully, fully write off any relegation talk at that point. Although I think we're near enough there anyway, if I'm being honest. Um, so yeah, by the way, if anyone is going over to St. Owens tomorrow, do let us know. Obviously, safe travels. Um, could be a good trip, could be a good trip. St. Owens, as I say, they're going to that game much more fearful from us than us, which is not something you've been able to say very often in the last three or four years. Let's get to the questions then. Let's get to your questions. Thank you very much for getting your questions through on Twitter. I've read most of these, <laughs> but there has been a few that have come through while I've been recording. Um, so I'll get to the ones I have read first. First and foremost, Nathan Barraclough. Thank you very, very much. Nathan Barraclough, 87 on Twitter. In the wire game, it looked like Widdup defended at one, but was playing first or second receiver in attack, unlike a fullback. Is this something you would like to see more of as a way of maximising our squad's ability? And could you see it as a long-term solution for us? Um, thank you, Nathan. Cheers for the question. First thing I would say is I would uh, agree that did maximise the squad's ability in terms of what we did last week, <laughs> certainly in terms of uh, more second receiver, because as I say, I think Joe Westerman did a good job at first receiver. I think he kind of filled in there. Obviously, with Jack Robert being named at six, it meant we were literally kind of a body down there. Uh, and the fact he played at nine instead. So Westerman kind of filled that spot 
Um, so Widdop was more of a kind of second receiver option coming to line a little bit earlier from the fullback position. And it did work. It did work to a certain degree. Um, is it something I'd like to see more going forward? Honestly, no. Um, and that's not a knock on Widdop or any of the players or anything like that. The fact of the matter is I just want to see how Riley Dean does first and foremost. I, you know, we, we played with a halfback down essentially against Warrington and, you know, did work, but that's not going to, you know, that's not something you can kind of consistently do across, uh, across the season. It work every single time, you know, I mean, how many times have we had makeshift teams over the last couple of seasons? I'd like, I'd like a real spine, to be honest with you. Um, so in, in terms of going forward and certainly in terms of being a long-term option, no, not, not really. Uh, I think if Gareth Woodup is going to be a fullback, I want him to be a fullback. I want him to come in third in line, if I, if he can, um, second, fair enough. But, you know, let, let him be a fullback, really. Joe Westman can do it, but really, that's Riley Dean's job. Um, and obviously, Jacob Miller on the other side. We, we are going to play with two proper halfbacks. Um, and then with it behind him, you know, Westman can fill him when he wants. But we are going to be a bit more structured, I guess, going forward. I, I think you need to be. I think you need to be because... It did work to a certain extent, but in terms of a long-term option going forward, I, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think Widdop can do that anyway uh, over a long period of time. I, I don't think his body's up to it. I don't think we can probably expect his body to be up to it either. I think he, he has certainly lost that yard of pace that he had a couple of years ago and or even a few more years than that. And some of, the, some of this decision-making, his, his mind probably isn't quite as sharp as it was, uh, certainly when he was an NRL player as well. So I think you put a little bit too much on him there. Um, you know, in order to doing that. And it, it worked as kind of a makeshift thing. And what probably helped that as well was the fact that, less, as I said, I mean, no one really knew who was going to play nine for us until we literally had the ball. Um, presumably that goes for Warrington as well. <laughs> so, you know, the element of surprise there would have really helped. And they probably spent most of the first half just kind of figuring out what we were throwing at them, to be honest. Um, we don't have that element of surprise this week. So, yeah, realistically, I want us to be a little bit more structured, and hopefully, Riley Dean is the player we kind of, we kind of hope he is. Kind of hope he is. Um, takes on to the next question, actually. Uh, Macaulay, two thousand nine. Thank you very much. Do you think Riley Dean will be a long term player for us if he performs well? Since Cal McClelland has left, um, I mean, we've got to see. Um, you know, we've not seen him play in a cash shirt first and foremost. We've got to see how Riley Dean goes on Friday and beyond. <laughs> All I've really got to say on Riley Dean, I've not seen too much of him. I did watch him in the academy, but that was obviously many years ago. Um, and he was an excellent academy player. I did watch him for fair for a few games. And he looked excellent at that level, particularly around the 20-yard line. He was a very, very good short-kicking game. Um, got a good step as well. I think he's a he's a threatening um, half, much more so than Jacob Miller, who's more of a kind of an organiser and a bit of a get you out of jail half that kind of thing. You can, his long kicking game isn't brilliant, but isn't too bad. Much more of a general. Riley Dean's more of your maverick kind of player who's kind of going to get defensive lines kind of worried about him inside the 20-yard line, which to be fair, we've not had for a while. We've kind of not had that player with the run game uh, to threaten teams for, well, I guess Jake Truman was probably the last one. Uh, he's, he's probably the direct replacement to Jake Truman and not that level. Um, but who knows? Um, he's probably more in that mould, I think. Um, I can't speak for his defence. I'm, I'm not going to say he's defensively as good as Jake Truman by any means because True was an excellent defender, um, but that remains to be seen. In terms of a long-term player, you said he, if he performs well, possibly. I don't know what his contract situation is, uh, if I'm honest. I've got a feeling he's got a year left at Warrington after this. But don't quote me on that. 
Um, but absolutely, I mean, if he can play well for the next 10, 11 games, whatever it is we've got left, if he can make a real marker, will Warrington want to let him go? That's the question. Um, not too sure on that one, uh, if I'm honest, but should we ask the question? Should we offer some kind of transfer fee if we think he's up to it? Absolutely, why not? If he's been the difference between us having what has been quite a poor season, and uh, if he can turn it into at least a mediocre season and we end up going a little bit higher up the table, um, then you've got to. Surely you've got to. And it's just a matter of kind of whether we can pry him away from more. And if he does indeed have another year on his contract, which I think he does, but again, if I'm wrong, apologies. And obviously, if he's out of contract next year and he's performing well, it's a no-brainer at that point. Of course, we try and bring him in. Um, you do mention Callum McClellan there. Um, I guess he would be the light for light replacement for that. Perhaps, obviously, you've got Danny Richardson coming back in next year as well, which is another consideration. We probably can't throw too much money at the halfback position when Jacob Miller and Gareth Woodup are already on the books for next season as well. Um, so you have to consider that. Just on Callum McClellan, obviously, a real shame to see he's uh, he's left the club now. Um, he's got another venture uh, outside the game due to injuries. Obviously, yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a shocker for him. That I, I just feel for him. I just really, really feel for Callum McClellan. He's been involved in the club for a very long time. He's a cast lad. Went to school around here and, you know, he was part of that academy team that did so, so well um, in 2017 alongside the first team. It was him and Truman in the halves. They were, well, to absolute world beaters, to be honest, when they were together in the academy, play for the England academy team. I think he was in the school in the schoolboys team that beat Australia. Um, kind of at the world at his feet, Carl McClelland, and just his body's just not, his, his body letting down, unfortunately. Uh, it's a real tragic, tragic story. It's almost... We've had, a, we've had a run of bad luck, haven't we, with players? Mr. Saifeki obviously bring, um, springs to mind as well over the last few years in particular. And just a real, real shame of Carl McClone. And I hope, obviously, he can find um, a career outside the game if that's, what he, if that's what he wants. And, you know, if his body does come back up to it, I hope he, and he wants to come back into the game. I hope he gets an opportunity elsewhere. Um, but it's just not falling for him. And it's a real shame we never really got to see him kind of strut his stuff in two play for Cass. And I'm sure he'd love to have done that. And, yeah, just all the best to Callum. And, yeah, just a shame. Just a shame, that one. Um, so, yeah, let's finish up on Riley Dean. If he performs well, absolutely, let's look at it. But we do have to consider we we already have, you know, those kind of a fair bit of money tied up in the half-back position next season. So it'd have to make sense financially, um, I think. But let's just hope he plays well, first and foremost. <laughs> let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, Sully on Twitter, Kieran Soul 123 Thank you for the question. What would your solution be? to the hooking problem until Maka is back. Would you keep Robert in there after good performance Friday? Or would you look to bring someone in or bring a young hooker up from the academy? Um, so till Maka is back. So by my maths, Maka's probably four or five weeks away, something like that. So we've probably only got about a month to handle. Um, would you keep Robert there after the good performance Friday? Um, my opinion is probably irrelevant on that because I believe Andy Lasser said in the press conference today, he will be. Um, that is what's going to happen, Jack Robin. Um, you know, there's no element of surprise now, so there's just no point naming him anywhere else in the field. There's no point naming him at centre. For example, we will have two um, distinguished centres. I'd imagine you might as well just name Jack Robin at nine for this game. I assume we will, obviously, with Riley Dean coming in at six. So he will be the option. I guess you can't really drop him, can you? Um, he had a great performance there, so unless it kind of all goes to pot on Friday, which could happen. You know, he's you know he's literally played one game there in his life by the looks of things. Um, he's going up against James Roby, the greatest hooker in Super League history and a massive pack involving, you know, 
he's going to have Alex Wormsley probably picking him out all night. So it's going to be a rough night for Brody, don't get me wrong. But you know, if it all falls apart, then you know we we'll probably address this on Saturday morning, to be honest, and we probably have a different view on it. Um, but kind of until he drops off in that position, you can understand Andy Lasser's reluctance to kind of move him out of position this week. You give him another go. You give him another go for sure. Um, I'd probably like to see Kane Rob get more minutes this week. He only got, I think, 12 uh, on Friday. I was very surprised to see him only get that amount of game time. Um, but it's probably due to Brobbett doing so well in the position, uh, to be honest. But I do imagine we'll see more Kane Rob on Friday night. I, I say at least, he'd get at least 25 minutes, half an hour uh, in the hooker spot, maybe even more. And it's kind of, it is kind of nice to have the option. And I assume that's what Lassie's thinking as well. The fact you've got that proper nine on the bench where you kind of until things go to pot or when things go to pot, you do, you can then bring in a kind of conventional option. So it's nice to have that. Um, in terms of the second part of the question, so bringing someone in or bringing a young hooker up from the academy, uh, the young hooker up from the academy would be, I think, George Hill, uh, who was an end to the squad last week, uh, didn't make the 18, but was there uh, in the 21. I believe he plays hooker or has done uh, for the um, for the reserves and the academy set up. Uh, also, Jacob Hookham's in there, who has played nine uh, for the reserves as well. So they'd be your options there. But I guess until Broadbent, proves he's not he's performing to a lower level than those two, then you probably keep it as it is if we have if we have the options at centre and obviously Mahe Fanua comes back in this week. Um and I don't think Alex Sutcliffe's let anyone down. To be honest, I'd, I'd like to see Alex Sutcliffe back in there as well. Um I think he's done well in the last few weeks. And in terms of bringing someone in, there was a few rumors, there was a few names knocking around. Connor Jones at Featherston was one that got thrown around. Um he is their starting nine though. I think he is quite a key player for Feb, so I don't think they'll be looking to let him go. So I did seem a little bit strange to me. Um, however, they have made a few moves this week. Um, I kind of feel like the approach will be we might make a move if it goes fully to pot, to be honest, um, which might have been the approach all season long in, in a, to a certain degree. If we can get away with it, I think we probably will. I think we probably will. And as I say, it is only about four weeks, four or five weeks until Mac is back. We picked up a, a valuable, valuable two points, which we probably didn't expect against Warrington. So we probably ride it out. I, I think my gut is we probably ride it out unless it goes catastrophic on Friday night against Saints, in which case we might be we might be brought into um, bringing someone in, whether it be someone like Connor Jones, probably will be, a, it would have to be a championship player, I, I would imagine. So it's just a matter of kind of who's around and, Many of you listening will probably have a better idea than me in terms of who would be available there. Thank you for the question, Kieran, though. Uh, Ellis Jones at Cast Faithful on Twitter. Uh, realistically, what is the best finish we can get to this season with Huddersfield being... Oh, yeah, Huddersfield. What has happened to Huddersfield? I mean, the saving grace of us this season is we're probably not... Well, we're definitely not the most underperforming team this season. At Wakefield, you expect it to be 12th. I think most people had Wakefield going down this season. Quite a few had us kind of in the bottom four. Um, so we have slightly underperformed. I think in most instances, quite quite a few had us kind of eighth, ninth. Obviously, most cast fans, including myself, had us kind of knocking on the door of the playoffs as we did last year. So we have underperformed in terms of our expectations. But people had Huddersfield third, second. Some had, some had Huddersfield winning it this year as kind of this would be the peak of their, we talk about cycles in terms of building squads. Obviously, they had a cup run last year, their best season in many years. Obviously, it seemed like, I think it's uh, Watson's third year, maybe it's fourth. 
kind of feels it's come to that crescendo. They've got a lot of cap money spent in that team. This felt like their time, and it's just it's been something shambolic, to be honest. Obviously, a, a massive, massive loss to Leeds last week, 54 0. Um, Watson kind of fighting for his job at this point. So they are definitely the most underperforming team in Super League at the minute. It's just taking a little bit of the heat off us. In terms of where can we finish this year, we are only two points off the Giants, of course. They're only on 10, we're on eight. Can we leapfrog them? Can we finish 10th? I think definitely, uh, based on current form. I don't see any reason why not, um, why we can't f- fetch the Giant. I mean, you'd imagine they are going to have to pick up. Uh, and if they don't, Watson will get the sack for the end of the year. So that might galvanise them a little bit either way, whether it's kind of saving Watson's job or helping the new guy, whichever it is, you'd, you'd imagine some kind of bump at some point. But, I mean, we probably look more likely to win a game than they do at the moment. Um, so I can absolutely see us coming 10th. Um, looking up beyond that, you know, playoffs is 18 points, which is five wins away. I think that's unrealistic, to be honest, with the amount of games left. I think it would take a real, real effort for us to get to. Well, it would take an effort for us to get to 18 points, and then that's assuming Saints and OKR don't win any more games, which, again, is it's just not going to happen. Um, so that leaves you looking at kind of eighth and ninth. Uh, the Rhinos and Hull FC both on 14 points, which is only three games away. Uh, I believe we must have both teams to play again. We certainly have Leeds to play in the final game of the season. Not out of sight. They're not out of sight. Eighth, ninth position. Um, I do think Hull will finish above Leeds. I think Hull are coming into their own now. I think I actually think Hull will probably end up in the playoffs, to be honest, and actually might be a bit of a threat. Um, they're a team that could peak at the right time. I think Tony Smith's a good coach, and I think what they've got with Clifford and Truman at the minute really, really working. Um, the Rhinos are weird. The Rhinos are a very, very weird team, as, as we've seen. Uh, they've been poor against us. You know, they put 54 on Huddersfield, but was that Huddersfield being really, really poor? Possibly. And obviously, the week before that, they lose to Wakefield. So, Leeds could be anything, really. Um, I wouldn't rule us out catching Leeds. I think, again, it's unlikely. Uh, you'd back Leeds to finish above us. Um, but it's not impossible we come ninth. I think ninth is not out of the question, but I would say 10th is the safe bet in terms of the highest we can go this year is 10th, for sure. Um, but <laughs> I don't know about you, I'd take 11th, <laughs> to be honest. I'm not too upset. I'm not too upset. I mean, after where we were at three, four weeks ago, if we can get out of this season 11th and 10, 12, 14 points clear of Wakefield, I'll be very, very happy. I think I'll be very, very happy and just a few more good performances at the end of the year. I'm just not going to be upset with that. <laughs> I'm really, really not. Um, okay, next question. Sir Jack West, Jack Westmoreland, thank you for the question. If you could have a choice of head coach and marquee player, who would you go for? Um, now, if I'm looking at Twitter over the last few weeks and months as I've had the Clivecast, I don't think Jack Westmoreland's the best or the biggest fan of Andy last in the world. I think he'd agree with me on that one. Um, so he might be asking, he might be asking for a, a realistic answer on this one. Um, but my realistic answer would be there's not a cat in hell's chance we get rid of the head coach for at least a year. And I don't envisage us getting a marquee player for the next year or two, um, to be honest, if if we ever do, to be honest, certainly not as we rebuild the team. So Unfortunately, I can't give a, a, a realistic answer to this question because I don't think there is one. Um, I can go kind of fantasy land, though, uh, to an extent. So a choice of head coach. So I'm going to just open it up to anyone. 
I mean, the best coach in the world is Wayne Bennett. Has been for many, 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 many years and um, will be until he retires. Um, can you imagine Wayne Bennett down the line? That'd be just dreamy. It was mad enough when he, played, when he took the Great Britain job, to be honest. But um, obviously Wayne Bennett's there. Uh, if you can have an absolute dream head coach for a year or two. Um, at the absolute opposite end of the spectrum in terms of experience, Billy Slater's doing a heck of a job with Queensland, isn't he? He certainly wouldn't, <laughs> he certainly wouldn't mind that either. Um, one thing I will say on this question is at some point, and I don't want it to derail this current regime, I'm quite happy for this regime to do well over the next three or four years and just be what it is. Let's hope they are. Let's hope Andy Last has this job for his contract and we improve and improve and improve, become a realistic playoff team, have some cut runs. Let's hope that happens. At some point over the next decade, 15 years maybe, I had this discussion the other day. I do think Daryl Powell has a second run at it. I don't know if everyone thinks about that. I do think Daryl Powell will not retire as a head coach without coming back to cast for at least a year or two. I've got, I've got a feeling about it. I, I just, I think he will. Uh, or at the very least, I think we'll ask him at some point, and I think he'd certainly be tempted. Um, obviously, it's interesting to see the kind of position he's in at Warrington right now. I don't want it now, um, really, and some might, some might roll their eyes at that, and I'm sure many of our fans will take him in a heartbeat right now. And Don't get me wrong, I, will, I would be tempted. I would be tempted, but it's interesting to see his position right now, isn't it, in terms of second in the league at Warrington and you know, there's plenty of Powell out shouts at this point. I mean, how many times over the last 10 years have we have absolutely loved him for getting a second in the league and that would have been more than enough for us. Um, he's, in a, he's in a big old pond at Warrington. It shouldn't be a big pond, but it is a big pond um, through their own doing. Um, it's a weird one. You, can't, you kind of don't want to see it. Uh, we, still, we still love Powell, don't we? We, we, we still love Daryl and he's not a, a dream head coach per se, but do I think, would I like to see him back before he retires at some point of the next decade or two? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to see him have a, have a second run. I'm sure he'd get an unbelievable reception as well at Cass. And, you know, he's he's a you know, borderline Hall of Famer for what he did over the last 10 years for Cass. So um, I'd like to see him have another run at some point. Just not yet. Just not yet. Let Lasty do what he's doing. Um, Lasty Lingard, should I say. And just, just a point on Lingard as well. Um, I think he's done an unbelievable job over the last four or five weeks. Obviously, he goes under the radar because obviously we don't physically see it. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Jack Broadbent did a piece with Dave Craven last week. I think it was Dave Craven. Apologies if it wasn't. Um, talking about, you know, just loving life at casts and, you know, what he expected coming, what he's actually got out of it. Uh, he's our only ever present this year, which is amazing for a player. As I say, who came in as a bit of a rotation. Uh, played in all these positions. It was interesting. He picked out Craig Lingard as a real... Um, kind of catalyst for his improvement and um, kind of making everything kind of easy for him in the halfback position and kind of just just generally coaching him well. Uh, I thought that was really interesting that Andy, um, that Craig Lingard was was picked out especially by Jack Broadbent. He's clearly clearly a very very good coach and worth saying as well. Although Batley took a defeat at the weekend, I think they're still second or third in the te- in the league in championship and with the kind of funds he has at the Bulldogs, that's very very impressive indeed. So. Could Lingard be a future cast coach as well? Following Andy Last, that's a real possibility and I wouldn't be against that. I wouldn't be against that. Oh, I think he's a cracking coach. Um, second part of the question, um, to which I've answered about four answers. Uh, the first part, I apologize for that. I think we got to Wayne Bennett, Billy Slater and Powell in the future. I think that's what we got to. Um, but yes, for a marquee player, who would I go for? 
we don't have the money for one, I don't think, and we won't do it. And there's no point doing it because we're under cap. But if I could have anyone in the world, again, I'm going to hedge my bets a little bit and go for two players. I think we go for a halfback right now. I think realistically you want to get a halfback in there. Um, Jacob Miller, I thought he was very good on Friday, to be honest. I think he's, he's not been as bad as some people have said. I think he's actually put in some really good performances this season. I think defensively he's better than he seems as well. Uh, I'd say that. And I thought, like I say, Friday really, really stood up. Um, nevertheless, there are obviously some halfbacks uh, across the pond who are, well, not across the pond, um, down the Southern Hemisphere who are pretty superb. Ah, someone like Cam Munster, can you imagine? Can you imagine a Cam Munster or a Nathan Cleary? I mean, it'd just be, it'd be incredible. It'd be incredible. I think Cam Munster will be my shout. Cam Munster down, just general in the troops, you know, the experience you bring to the changing room. I mean, just an absolutely incredible player. And, you know, we probably have to pay him the best part of 800 grand, <laughs> eight, 900, maybe even a million uh, to come over a year. So I don't see us happening anytime soon, but Cam Munster would be uh, just an incredible, incredible player to get down down at Cass. Um, the other I would say, and I mentioned Bat Rowers earlier, I think my favourite player in the NRL right now, so I've got to give him, a, give him a mention, would be Liam Martin at Penrith. He is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, of all the positions, I mean, clearly they're better in every position, really, uh, in the NRL and Super League, but the position that really excels to me is back row. Um, they always have incredible back rowers in 13s. Um, you know, Cameron Murray's, uh, Isaiah Yao, uh, Victor Radley, often the old kind of 13 positions, but in the back row especially, uh, at a second row, I mean, Liam Martin at Penrith is just an absolute monster. He's he's amazing. And he's exactly the kind of player I'd want in a cash shirt. He's, I mean, he, he'd be Man of Steel just instantly. <laughs> One game, done. It's, it's all true. It'd be, like, it'd be like when Jamie Lyon came over from, from Manly and played for St. Helens. Um, he, he's that good. He's that good. And I'd love to see a player like that uh, in Super League for any club, really. Uh, I don't see it happening. I think with the age of, uh, the wage divide now, it's just not plausible. I don't think to get a player with that ability uh, over in Super League, but it is a real, real shame because um, he's excellent. He's just, just excellent. Um, so thank you for that question. Uh, I was very long-winded with it, but um, appreciate it all the same. Next one, uh, Cass Rugby Shirt, Steve McNichol, thank you very much. I think he's going to be a future guest on the podcast. So that's going to be really interesting. Also, on that vein, thank you very much for everyone who voted in the Orange versus Amber poll a few weeks ago. Uh, that will be discussed on that episode. Um, so look forward to that. Um, the question from Cass Rugby Shirt is, what do you think of the new summer range of merch? With a question mark and an exclamation mark. Uh, it's bright, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, that's been released at five o'clock today. Uh, the new summer range, new training range. Um, there's a new training range every two months, I think, if that, six weeks, maybe. Um, to be honest, it's one of those things where, I mean, it's not for me. I, I, I personally won't be buying anything from that training range. Um, I do think the... You know, the discussion point every time about a training range and the kits themselves. I find it a bit silly, really. I, I don't really see why people argue about it. You know, there's, there's, there's I think there's comments um, to our tweet today about, you know, the amount of shows we've had, the amount of training range we've got and people moaning about it. And I get it, but at the same time, you know, they wouldn't be manufacturing them if they weren't making some kind of money. Um, if they didn't make financial sense to either Cass or Oxen, they surely wouldn't do it. Um, 
So I've got no concern of it at all. It really is. There is something for just about everyone. And like this range, for example, doesn't really appeal to me. Um, you know, it's very just kind of tie-dye vests and all that kind of thing. And um, my dad would love it. <laughs> I'll say that for now. Um, look, it's one of those things. It's not for me. I, I prefer kind of the more, the more plainer stuff. Um, I, but, you know, there's a range for everyone. I thought the range with the white, with the blue uh, and the amber this year, uh, although, you know, it did borderline a little bit, lose your eye nose. Um, but it was nice. I think there's some nice stuff. And I think the person the problem with all this, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. If you go in the cash shop now, there's an awful lot of variations, an awful lot of shirts, there's an awful lot of training shirts. But then you walk into Carlton Lanes and you go to the games and they're everywhere. <laughs> People are buying them. So I don't really mind it. I, I don't really mind it, to be honest. It's something we'll talk about with Steve on the podcast, more about this a more general chat about the branding and the kits themselves. Um, but in terms of the kind of the, the amount of training range we have, um, I, I don't mind as long as people are buying it. And as long as the club's not making a massive loss in terms of selling it, um, then that's fine. Uh, I think it's fine. And look, people will buy the summer range, which came out today. It's a fact. People will be on the holidays. They'll get a vest, they'll get a t-shirt with a black and amber tiger print or whatever it is or a paint splatter or whatever it might be they are a bit wild some of the designs i will say that and again they're not quite to my taste but clearly somebody likes them and clearly people buy them so i'm i'm all for it why not why why not um okay two more questions i think and they're pretty similar to each other so i'll probably do them in one go uh neil durant and i've not, I've not actually looked at these ones yet so Hopefully there's nothing too dodgy in them. Uh, Neil Durant, thank you. Given we are light in the forwards, Smith and Milner moved on, Matangi out of the country and McShane, Lawler and Massey injured. We have an effect lost an entire pack. We have no incomings to date. When are we going to see some forwards coming in as we are too stretched at the moment? Okay. And I'll take the second question as well because it's similar. Uh, Danny Tonks, Tonka, thank you very much. Uh, any realistic players you'd like to bring in for the season, if not names, then positions we think we need numbers in? Well... There you go. Very similar questions indeed. Uh, I'll go to you, Neil, first then. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. We are lighting the forwards. As you say, Smith Milner already gone. Matangi out of the country, which is just one of those things. I think he's on compassionate leave. Hope he's okay. Um, obviously, McShane at nine. We've kind of discussed the hooker position at the moment anyway. I think it just will be broadbent until the wheels fall off there. Uh, Lawler uh, has been out for a few weeks anyway. And obviously, Massey is the new one this week. He's injured. Uh, for a few weeks until the whole KR game. So, yeah, we, we have, in effect, lost an entire pack. We have. So let's look where we... Let's look, look what we do have. What, what, what do we do have? So, Lee Mott's one thing, is unsuspended and um, healthy and probably, probably the fittest he looked all year, to be honest. I thought he was excellent. I mean, one thing I would say about uh, the Warrington game as well, is he did a massive 35-minute stint uh, in the first half, which whether that was a direct response to his comments in the press about wanting to earn a new deal or not, I don't know, but it certainly looked like it was. Uh, he did a great stint. And um, do you know what? I've not given him many raps this year. Uh, George Griffin did a lot of minutes as well. And that was a real shift from George Griffin. So I've got to hold my hands up and say, I've not been too impressed with him this season. I'll, I'll be honest with that. But uh, he had a great knock um, against Warwick and I thought he was great. So that's your eight and 10 kind of sorted um, going forward. Uh, certainly into this week. Um, back row, I think we're okay. I, I think we're okay still uh, in terms of back row. Obviously, Kenny Edwards in there. Uh, you've got Alex Sutcliffe in there. Obviously, now we've got Riley Dean in there. You've got a little bit more leeway in terms of the back, so you can 
you've got the option to put Alex Miller back in the back row. So I'm not too worried about that. And then obviously you've got your kids as well. Obviously, um, Aaron Willis, isn't it? Who's coming through? He's a back rower. So you've got that option there. So in terms, in terms of the other forwards, obviously the bench we named uh, against Warrington and Mustafa um, discarding Rob, because obviously that deals with the hooker situation, Brad Martin and Hall, that's kind of what you stick with at the moment, isn't it? That's what we've got. And quite happy with that for the meantime. The other kind of... <laughs> elephant in the room and I don't care what I say on this one because he's clearly not listening because he's blocked me on Twitter <laughs> as some of you will know um, Albert Vette is back in the squad this week it's an interesting one that isn't it obviously he's had his calf injury um, you know he didn't have a calf injury when he went to Fev so that's not been the thing that's kept him out of the team for this, this amount of time but he is coming off this calf knock he is in the squad will he play against St. Ellen's on Friday, I don't know. Is it a game if he's fit, I would play him in? Yes, I think I would. As I say, it's a free hit game. He's going up against a massive set of forwards. To be honest, I'd rather risk Albert Vete in there than some of the players I preferred this year. I think that's fair to say. I'd, I'd give Albert Vete, if he's up to it, fairly big minutes in this game. I'd give him an opportunity to prove himself, frankly, because he hasn't. And I think by his own admission, if he thinks he has proved himself at this point, then... I fear for him, frankly. He's not played anywhere near the amount of minutes that his money and his quota spot obviously um, obviously require. He'll know that. You know, there has been injury in there, which is fair enough, but he wasn't up to stand at the start of the season. Um, but this is an opportunity for him, isn't it? You know, he's got another year in his deal. This is an opportunity for him now. He's got 11, 12 games where if you can put your best foot forward, I hope he has a really good end of the season. And that's a real possibility. It is a possibility that Albert Bete comes in not saying it's likely, don't get me wrong. I mean, we've not seen anything really to say that it is likely to happen, but Albert Vete could come in and feel like a new signing. That could happen. It did for KR last year. That's the only reason I can say it is because towards the end of the stretch of KR, he was one of their best players. He was very, very good and arguably the reason why we signed him. So Albert Vete could feel like a new signing, but again, I am reaching a little bit there. I do agree another number in will be good. Um in the forward position, there was an interesting article written by Aaron Bauer just today. Apparently, we've got an eye on Patrick Mayo at Wigan, um, who is still part of their kind of first team plans at the moment. So I don't think it's imminent necessarily, but there's the potential for a little bit of a uh, bit of wiggle room there. So Patrick Mayo is one we're looking at. I don't, I don't love it to be honest. I mean, it screams a little bit out there in terms of, you know, a quota spot, obviously, and obviously he won't be cheap. Um, so I'd need a lot from him if we were going to make that move, but he's a big body, got a lot of experience, obviously playing for a team like Wigan as well, got plenty of Super League experience there. I assume it would be a move looking towards next year as well. He wouldn't be kind of my first choice, but at the same time, who is available, especially in forwards. It's very, very difficult to pick up forwards at this time of the season. I think obviously a lot of teams are kind of down to bare bones in terms of injuries there's not there's not too many kind of prop forwards especially knocking around that are to the standard um which we, we which we'd require because obviously the standard we require is really you want a, you want a player that can get in well you need a player that can get in above Moise Mustafa Brad Hall and, um sorry Sam Hall and Brad Martin which to be honest in current form isn't easy I think they're all playing very very well so there's not too many available not too many available Mago's one of them Maybe that's an option. Um, is the only name I've really heard mentioned as well. 
uh, in terms of coming in, certainly in terms of forwards. Um, so we'll see how that one progresses, but I wouldn't be too upset if that one doesn't come off and Albert Vete does pick it up. But again, it is a big if, don't get me wrong, it's a big if and I'm not expecting anything. I'm not expecting anything from Vete, but would I throw him in this week, as I say, against St. Ellen's and <laughs> sounds horrible, but put him in a bit of harm's way and give him, give him a bit of adversity this week against your Alex Wormsley's and your Parsies and players like that. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's what we're paying him to do. That is what we're paying a player like that to do. Uh, he'll be on big money. He's a quota spot. I mean, Super League used him on the promotion for the start of the season. You know, he's meant to be one of our big players. Um, he's the one who needs to stand up in these kind of games because that's, like I say, that's what he was paid to do. So I would have no qualms if he's fit enough to at least throw him in for kind of a 20-minute stint on Saturday and then on Friday, should I say, and see what he does against Saints. And we can't really lose there, can we? We can't really lose in that situation, I don't think. Um so, yeah, that would be my answer to that question in terms of the forwards, really. When are we going to see some forwards coming in as we're a bit too stretched at the moment? Maybe someone like Patrick Mago, but we may be banking Albert Vete being that, or feeling like that kind of signing to kind of mulls over for the time being. And obviously, as I say, it's a big deal that Nathan Mass is not as injured as first feared. Um, just on Danny's question as well, any realistic players you'd like to bring for this season, if not names and positions you like, you think we need numbers in? I guess the only the only one as mentioned earlier would be Hooker if it doesn't quite work. If it doesn't work with Broadbent, um, I'm sure we'll give him as, as much of a go as we can. Um, but especially if we get another knock in the centres, for example, and we need Broadbent there. Obviously, I want to see Jack Broadbent at centre, really. Um, Hooker will be the one. Hooker will be the one for right now. Um, so as I say, when Connor Jones was mentioned, I don't know if there was anything to that. I don't know if it was any in any way realistic. That did make a little bit of sense to me, and I, I would have been all for that. I think he's a good player, certainly at that level, and I think he's had a little bit of Super League experience at Salford as well. Um, so Hooker would have been one. Um, yeah, I think it's Hooker and centre, isn't it? It's Hooker and centre, really. We need we need bodies. Um, and at the moment, it just so happens that they kind of come in hand in hand with actually the Super Jack Broadbent. So, yeah, what a job he's doing. Um, he's certainly giving Joe Westerman a run for his money in terms of player of the season, isn't he, Broadbent? Um, can safely say those two are going to clean up the awards at the end of the season dinner um, in September that's for sure um, that'll just about do it, thank you very much for listening once again um, it's just been me again, I do apologise for that obviously as I said, I've kind of had three weeks off there's been a lot of things uh, in personal life going on so I've not had too much time to plan anything and kind of get guests on board and stuff like that so I kind of just wanted to get something out um, today of all days as well, I know plenty of you have told me that you Use the uh, use the podcast for commutes, so you can have this Friday morning, hopefully, or if you go to the game Friday night as well, even more perfect. Um, you can listen to this on the way. Uh, I really want to get something out this week, and obviously, kind of let you all know that I've not gone anywhere. <laughs> I I'm not I'm not packed in after five episodes. That's not the case. I am here, and I do hope in the next few weeks I'm going to try and get some proper guests over the line and uh, mix it up a little bit. As I say, we can talk about. I'm very eager to talk about the kind of overall branding of the club that kind of relates to what I do as a job as well there to a certain degree. So that's something I can really get my teeth into and um, it'd be great to get uh, Steve on board for that podcast as well. So I've been in touch with him um, and I've got, I've got a few ideas. I've got a few ideas, which I'll keep under wraps for now, but um, yeah, there's some names you've heard of, which I would very much like to get on this podcast if I can. Um, over the next weeks and months so um, leave that with me um, but also let me know what you want to hear let me know if there's anyone you really want to get on the podcast and if that's the case I can do what I can uh, I've got these ideas to myself but 
ultimately, as I said in the very first episode, this is for you as much as it is me. So if it's someone you really want to hear from on the pod, um, let me know on Twitter as well, and I can see what I can do. Thanks very much. Thank you very, very much. Massive game next week. Um, massive game this week, should I say, against St. Ellen's. As I say, bit of a free hit. If we get two points, we're all just dancing on the team, aren't we? It would be incredible to go two in a row. Uh, to get the second win at St. Ellen's in my lifetime would be unbelievable. Um, but also, let's keep our feet on the floor a little bit. Let's just have a good performance tomorrow. And I'll be very, very happy going to Lee Leopards, I think. And that's a game we can really, really target. Um, it's nice doing a podcast off a win. It's really nice doing a podcast off a win. So if we can keep that up, Cass, that'd be really appreciative. Thank you very much. Toyth.